Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. sonobello.com slash save. sonobello.com slash save. The Exxon Radio Show is heard on radio broadcast affiliates worldwide, including AM 580 CFRA in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. WPUL AM 1590 in Daytona Beach, Florida. KOHI AM 1610 in St. Helens, Oregon. KHRO AM 1150 in El Paso, Texas. And for more information on becoming a professional broadcast affiliate of the Exxon Radio Show, visit www.xzbn.net or call toll-free worldwide 1-800-610-7035. The Exxon Radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon with yours truly, Rob McConnell, coming to you from the studios of Relmar McConnell Media Company in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the Talkstar Radio Network, Exxon Broadcast Network, 
UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, Star Cable, Ustream, and TV.com. My guest this hour is Cynthia Polanski. We're going to be talking to Cynthia about her book, Remote Control. And joining me now is Cynthia. And Cynthia, first of all, welcome to the Exxon. Great having you with us. Thank you, Rob. It's great being here. Tell me, uh, where did your interest in the paranormal originate? Well, it never really originated with uh, one definable moment. Mm -hmm. It's something I've always been interested in. I do remember as a kid, on the cusp of sleep and wakefulness, I would hear whispered voices (laughs) whispering my name. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, I never really thought much of that. I, as I grew older and thought back on it, I assumed it was more dream state than wakefulness. But now I, I wonder if, if I wasn't um, really hearing something from a different plane, uh, because my interest in the paranormal and life after death has never wavered. What do you think that. happens to us when we die? I think that we, our essence, our soul, mm-hmm. which is made up of energy, actually leaves the physical vessel of our bodies and moves on to a a plane that we cannot perceive while we are living on Earth in our human bodies. Uh, What happens there as far as what we feel, experience, I certainly don't know for sure. Only people that have experienced that would be able to say it. Uh, But I suspect what I prefer to believe is that it's, just everything wonderful about mm-hmm. being alive if we've done it correctly, if we don't have to work on our soul's growth to a point where we can redeem it and uh, be a worthwhile spirit. For example, somebody like uh, Hitler or Stalin has a lot of work to do on their soul before they can hope to elevate to a place where they can enjoy enjoy mm-hmm. existing, whatever that means. I know it's very nebulous, and I'm, I'm kind of dancing around the question, but obviously it, it's not anything definitive. I, I, I've, of. Often, I've often wondered what happens to people like Hitler and Stalin if they're reincarnated. Have they gone through all the lessons, or is reincarnation part of their, part of their learning experience that they have to go through in order to get to the next level of spiritual um, existence? I believe it is uh, an indication Mm -hmm. that they have not uh, learned their lessons well at all, and reincarnation is definitely a part of that cycle. Um, From everything I read while researching my novel... All right, we're going to talk about that in two minutes when we come back from a commercial break, Cynthia. Cynthia Polanski is our special guest, www.cynthiapolanski.com. And that's a P-O-L-A-N-S-K-Y dot com. We're going to be talking about her book, Remote Control, on the other side of this two-minute break. Don't go away. Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. 
It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonabello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Combo meal. Single item at regular price. Welcome back, everyone. Cynthia Polanski is my special guest. Her website is CynthiaPolanski.com. We're talking about her book. It's a novel entitled Remote Control. Now, Remote Control is a story of a 30-something Judith McBride, a Jewish control freak with an unlikely last name, unless it's McBrideberg, I guess. Now, (laughs) Now, when she dies in a medical mishap, she calls upon her supernatural status to rescue her widowed husband from the sexy clutches of their gold-digging, thrill-seeking blonde accountant. Hey, now, wait a minute. That doesn't sound fair. Let me just go over that. Sexy clutches of their gold-digging, thrill-seeking blonde accountant. Well, two out of three is not bad. But interfering in earthly events is strictly forbidden, and the repercussions ripple outward, affecting not only Judith, but the lives of her husband and best friend. Her journey from the physical world to the spiritual is peppered with adjustments, choices, and self-discovery, ultimately leading her to the realization that loving sometimes means learning how to let go. With me this hour is the author of Remote Control, Cynthia Polanski. Great having you with us. Congratulations on a super book. Oh, thank you so much, Rob. Okay, we're talking about death and the afterlife. Um... Was there any one event in your life that that 
that brought you closer to the afterlife than any than any book could have done? Uh, I would definitely have to say the recent passing of my mother, yes. Uh, she was in hospice care for about six months, mm-hmm. and for the last six weeks of her life, I was her caregiver and was able to really witness the process, the dying process firsthand. Um, and it is... It is not what we see on TV. It is not necessarily what we expect um, after having read on the subject. It's, it's quite a profound experience, and it's sad. It is very sad, um, but it's not really frightening if, if you surrender yourself to it and know that it's something that, that is happening to everybody at some point. Uh, But it really um, opened my eyes, so to speak, even as my mother's eyes closed for forever about the whole dying process. Do you communicate with your mom now that she's on the other side? Well, I talk to her all the time. Um, I don't hear back. It's not a two-way conversation. Um, And I think that's, that's the way it's meant to be. Uh, she did communicate with me very shortly after her death, uh, and I think she was just letting me know that uh, even though she was physically not with me, she was always going to be with me and watching over me and uh, continuing to love and guide me from the, from the other side. What was your inspiration for writing your book, Control Freak? I'm sorry, Remote Control. <laughs> Maybe Control Freak is a better title. <laughs> I've... I've have to think about that one. That that one um, just came. That just one. That one just came from the cosmos. So <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. I on another interview I was doing, someone referred to it as Live Wire, which is also another good alternative. Um, uh, too many people have thought that Remote Control is a book about a TV appliance. But in any event, uh, how I got started on writing that novel is uh, just. You know, one of those fluky things, having dinner with a girlfriend who shares my interest in spirituality and uh, life after death, and a few glasses of wine later after some discussion, um, we were talking about viewing our past lives from the comfort of an easy boy, a lazy boy reclining chair in heaven and what we would like to see up there. Mm -hmm. And she had said to me, you know, this might be your next book. And the idea took hold. And when it wouldn't let me go, I realized, okay, I do have to write about this. What has been the feedback from those who have read your book? And can they make an association of something that has happened in their lives with what they're reading? It's very interesting. Most people have told me that the book and the way I describe mm-hmm. the afterlife in it fits exactly with what they believe is waiting for us on the other side, um, which tells me that I'm striking a universal chord there with most people. And I deliberately kept religion specificity mm-hmm. out of it because I think this should be a universal topic. And uh Apparently, I've done a good job in that regard. Um, I'm sure there are plenty of readers that say, oh, this was a nice piece of either fantasy or fiction, um, which it is fiction, of course, but open-ended. And um, I'd like to think that I I was able to touch a lot of people that have similar beliefs, and I think I did. 
for the audience who is listening around the world, and uh, I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that uh, they all have their what they believe is their own interpretation of what it is like on the other side. Could you share with them your interpretation as depicted in your book, but not giving out too much uh, information uh, within the book because we want people to go to your website and buy your book? Yes, sure, I'd be glad to. Uh, Because the main character, Judith, um, dies unexpectedly Mm -hmm. in, uh, I say, a medical mishap. It was just one of those fluky reactions to some medication that very rarely happens in real life, so I don't want anyone to think that I am aligning the practice of medicine. Uh, But as frequently happens with people that die unexpectedly or suddenly or violently, they're not quite aware yet that they're dead uh, because they haven't been allowed to slowly Mm -hmm. follow the process as somebody with a terminal illness would. So uh, Judith is not quite sure yet what's happened, what's going on, and what the next progression, the natural progression is. She um, immediately after her death, she finds herself watching her body from above, which is a very common common experience for people that have had near-death experiences Mm -hmm. but have come back to life. And it's a pretty commonplace uh, picture to have of people who have just died watching themselves as it's happening, as if they're in two places, but they have actually left the physical body and are watching it from above. And that is that place about, oh, maybe six feet above us, um, even though it's not visible to us while we're living here in our earthly bodies, that is where we first go to accustom ourselves to the fact that we have left a physical vessel. Uh, So once Judith experiences that and realizes what's happened, she thinks, okay, no problem, in her very no-nonsense way. She moves forward, literally, learning how to travel without human legs, and uh, she witnesses her own funeral. She also witnesses and and hears some... uh, not very nice comments about her that are surreptitiously made during her funeral. So her first lesson in spiritual evolution takes place there, where maybe it's not such a good idea to to sit and eavesdrop. Maybe it's, you know, time for me to move on, which is the way it is supposed to be. You're not supposed to linger over long uh, close to where you lived your earthly existence. And uh, when she does get to where she needs to be and meets with her spirit guide who basically is her mentor and teacher on everything spiritual that she needs Mm -hmm. to know to live up there. Um, She decides that she can use her gifts uh, to the benefit of her husband, her best friend, anyone she loves. Um, She doesn't fool herself into thinking that she has magical powers, but she does think she has an edge over people living on Earth and can prevent unpleasantness or disaster even um, for the people that she loves and save them from getting hurt. The, the big problem with that whole idea is that you are not supposed to interfere with other people's destiny, and she refuses to uh, adhere to that and 
consequently, um, things happen as a result of that, and she ultimately does learn that lesson that she needed to learn. I guess that would be a very hard lesson to learn, especially if you think that you're going to be able to do something to help, and then you suffer the ramifications that you can't. Aren't all the hardest lessons or the best lessons the hardest ones to learn? You are so true. That is so true. But even the, the oh, I'm sorry for interrupting, but no, no, even the uh, an alcoholic has to quote unquote hit bottom before uh, they might realize that they need help. So, truly, I think for all of us, um, we all have to learn lessons the hard way at some point in our lives. I I knew I was on the right step in the right direction when I realized that what was overhead was an amoeba and that no one else could go lower than that. And that's a quote from a good friend of mine who had some serious troubles in his life. And it was only until he hit rock bottom, and that was his interpretation of hitting rock bottom, when the amoeba passed on top of him. He knew he was on his way up. Wow, that is um, really insightful. Uh, Most people that are in trouble don't... uh think that clearly, actually. You know, those people who are in trouble and after they get out of trouble, it's been my experience that they realize the time, they'll always, I should say they'll always remember the time, date, and place where they had the epiphany that, uh uh-oh, it's time to change, which means that it's time for you and I to take another commercial break here with the news. Wow, where did this segment go? Please stand by. Cynthia, we have to take our break with the news, and we'll be right back on the other side as the Exxon continues from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to get more information on remote control, Cynthia's website is www.cynthiapolanski.com. We'll be back on the other side of this break with the news. Don't go away. have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast but the rest of us sleep in this is your sign to thank them and if you're that friend this is us saying thank you now get a sausage McMuffin sausage biscuit sausage burrito or hash browns choose two for $2.50 enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2 price of participation may vary cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal single item at regular price ba We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. You're listening to the X-Zone Radio Show, live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network. X-Zone Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, and Star Cable. Our toll-free telephone number worldwide is 1-800-610-7035. Our email address, xzone at xzoneradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, xzoneradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, www dot 
Cynthia Polanski is our special guest, Exonation, www.cynthiapolanski.com. That's C-Y-N-T-H-I-A-P-O-L-A-N-S-K-Y.com. Now, how is the hell that you have created in remote control compare with the, let's say, the movie version of hell? Well, the movie version of Hell stereotypically is fire and brimstone and uh, a devil with pointy ears and a forked tail and all of that good stuff. Um, The Hell I describe in remote control has some of those elements. There's certainly a horrible smell of sulfur and everything fetid that you can imagine, and everything disgusting, repulsive, unpleasant for all the senses that you can imagine. It, it smells, it feels sticky, slimy, oozy, oppressive. There's a horrible, loud buzzing noise similar to the kind of torturous noise they would play in Vietnamese prisoner of war camps. Um, uh, there's just an awful haze, it's dark, it's, it's just hellacious. And I basically just put in every element, uh, I could think of, of what I would certainly hate to find if I ended up there. And then I embellished that even further. So it, uh, it has a few of the stereotypical elements, but other than that, it's, it's really a lot worse a lot worse than what's depicted on your typical TV shows or, or movies. Mm. So when, when, the, uh, when the sexy gold-digging accountant goes after your main character's husband in this side, because she's already passed on, mm-hmm. how does she try to come in between them? Well, uh, first of all, I just want to say as an aside that uh, you know this is a work of fiction when there's a character who's a sexy, thrill-seeking blonde accountant, because that's just a contradiction in terms. And I say that as the daughter and sister of two accountants. But um, she uh, is very much of a gold digger, and there is some um, family wealth involved here, and she goes after it in a time-honored way of all blonde bombshells, uh, just, I hate to say it, but uh, playing men with the, with the usual methods. And uh, she kind of turns this meek, little, mild-mannered, nice guy into somebody that hadn't really existed before who's willing to take all kinds of chances and mm-hmm. just kind of go crazy. And, of course, he was very vulnerable to do that because he is grieving for his dead wife. So the accountant just uh, takes full advantage of that, um, seduces him time and time again, convinces him to take her to uh, exotic uh, locations for wild uh, adventures like bungee jumping in New Zealand and... uh, barefooting in the Caribbean, mm-hmm. uh, hang gliding. They take hang gliding lessons and uh, spending a lot of money in very expensive, fancy restaurants when Saul, the, the husband, was uh, up until then pretty parsimonious. So she, um, she takes advantage of his vulnerability with grief and um, 
the fact that he is a man susceptible to her charms. How did you come up with the theme, and how did you come up with the the idea that this is how the newly departed would try to defend her husband? How did you get these ideas? Well, you know, um, I really didn't think of them completely by myself, and I know that sounds very trite, but a lot of times when writing a novel, mm-hmm. the characters take on a life of their own, and the book takes turns that you really wouldn't have planned for as the author. And it's almost as though they take over the story, and I am just kind of following them down these paths. And some of the paths did not work out too well. But uh, the book that I envisioned when I first started it was not the book that I ended up with. And uh, I have to thank you know the characters for a lot of that, because they did really just kind of guide me. Maybe I had my spirit guide guiding me there. What was the hardest part for you when writing this book? The hardest part? Um, I think the hardest part for me was to not sound campy. I did not want the book to be a satire or a farce and uh, totally defeat the whole purpose, which of what I wanted was to open people's minds to the idea of life after death and and what we do here on Earth having a direct effect upon what we do when we die. Uh, so keeping it funny in, in the humorous tone that it has without becoming silly was a challenge. And it, it took a lot of revising for me to get there. But I got there. As an author, how did you get around uh, writer's block? Oh, gosh. Uh, that is a problem for me. Um, it's, and a pro- I, it's a I problem think... for every author I've had the pleasure of, of interviewing. Yes, it's a, it's a really bad problem, and it's a problem that feeds upon itself because mm-hmm. the more pressure you put on yourself, the less creative you feel, but the yep. more panicky you start to feel. Um, I, I think that's why I, it took me so long to write it. Um, both the novels I have written took several years to complete from absolute start to finish. But I would, uh, to try and get over that, I would make dates, writing dates, with a good friend of mine who's also a writer. And we would make dates and go have breakfast or coffee and then write for a couple of hours together, mm-hmm. and that accountability kind of it kept me going at least, even if the creativity didn't flow. uh, I was working on the book in some way, which is positive, because at least you feel you're moving forward then. Exo Nation, our special guest this hour is Cynthia Polanski. The name of her book is Remote Control, and I, for one, cannot wait to read it. But you've written other types of books. In fact, I, I understand that you're an animal lover. I am. I am probably the biggest dog person you'll ever meet. Uh, And in fact, I think animals and dogs in particular Mm. are much more highly elevated souls than we are, and we could learn a lot from them. Oh, you know what? I agree with you 10 million percent. In fact, I used to... I used to be for a very short contracted time because of my 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 time restraints doing all the all the media I do. I was the director of communications for the SBCA. Oh, I like to hear that. That's and good. and it was my mandate 
to bring forward the great work that the SPCA and animal shelters around the world do. And I will tell you something in all honesty and sincerity. That was the most rewarding job or part of the many jobs that I do. Mm -hmm. I I, can see that. I, I loved it. I loved watching the interaction between people, how animals change a person. How putting that little cat that has come from an abusive situation that has been brought back to to the way a, a cat should be by the love of volunteers and, and shelter staff. And when you take this, this cat that was nearly feral and you put it on the lap of somebody who is not feeling well or who feels so alone and you see the person come back to life. Yes. Rob, I don't tell this to too many people, but I... I am one of those writers who does want commercial success, but mm-hmm. the reason I want commercial success is to be able to help uh, animal welfare groups because there is a lot of work to be done. Oh, I, I, I'm a very emotional person, and I can't deal with mm-hmm. witnessing a lot of the, the horrible things that are done to animals, even when the animals are rescued. So I thought the next best thing I could do is to enable those who can deal with it better yep. emotionally to continue that kind of work and hopefully lessen the amount of animal suffering that's in the world, or at least in our part of the world. I had the privilege of working with some of the finest animal um, in, inspectors and investigators that I've ever had the pleasure of meeting here in Hamilton. Mm-hmm. And, and bringing them, they are truly the unsung heroes when it comes yeah. to animal rescue and the work that they do is long. It's it's dedicated, and uh, you know what, Exo Nation, if you're out there and if you can help any animal shelter, if you can help any animal, we're all connected. It's not as if yeah. it's, it's not as if the dogs are dogs, cats are cats, horses are horses, elephants are elephants, lions. Are, we're all connected for goodness' sake, and and. You and- no, go ahead. I'm sorry. And, go and on. when people put human beings on the top of the intelligence totem pole, in my books, you have it all wrong. We're at the bottom. Because the mm. animals of this planet do not destroy the planet. They do not. I, I, I should say, it's you know, any animal, with the exception of the human species, does not destroy this planet, does not cause wars that kill thousands and thousands and millions of people, they, they get along. They work together. I agree completely, and I will go even further and, and say that I think because they are more highly elevated yep. spiritually than we are, uh, because we have the, the gifts of, of brain and voice and everything that we can do, it obligates us to prevent animal abuse or or at least stop it when we see it happening and educate people uh, because animals are not lower than we are. They're not any less deserving of kindness and compassion and love and just a pleasant life. There is absolutely no excuse for any kind of animal suffering. None whatsoever. whatsoever. None whatsoever. 
I also understand, and this this has got to make me chuckle, and we're going to be a little sidetracked here, that you are currently working on a non-fiction pop reference book on the history of human body odor. That's correct. Tell me about this. Well, uh, I'm sure one of the first question is, questions that y- you might ask is, why? <laughs> and I have no answer to that other than, Writers have very curious minds, and I have always been curious about very esoteric things. Uh-huh. Uh, and I find as an adult, if, if I have a question about something, I end up starting to research it, and then I write a book on it. Because um, what better way to answer your own question, right? So, so tell me, having said that, where did your interest in human body odor come from? You know, you, I don't know. I... I <laughs> I don't know. I just remember one day thinking to myself, you know, when did, in the course of human evolution, did body odor become offensive? It clearly Mm. is present for some reason. Perhaps, you know, it must have been a Mm -hmm. mating force, a driving force for mating with pheromones and all of that. But when did it become offensive? When, if it was, if it was not pleasant enough, but attractive enough to use for mating purposes. Obviously, it took a turn there somewhere, and I wanted to know why and where and why Americans spend mm-hmm. more money every year on products to prevent it, mask it, eradicate it than other countries in the world. Other cultures don't look at it the way we do. Uh, there's just so many interesting questions, <laughs> and I, I can't say why. I am just... I'm just a weird writer who's curious about a lot of things. I was on Win Ben Stein's money, after all. You know, mm-hmm. I just have this wealth of trivia that I kind of have running around in my brain. So, so tell me, how do you do your research? Uh, excuse me, sir, can I talk to you for three seconds over here? Come on over here. Come on over here. Can I smell your armpits? How do you do it? <laughs> that would probably get me a lot more publicity right away, but I don't know how much credibility it would give me. But uh, basically, you know, the, the usual routes. Uh, the Internet is a wonderful research tool these uh-huh. days. I um, am reading a lot. I am speaking with uh, doctors. I am contacting uh, people I know from other cultures. I'm not soliciting mm-hmm. strangers and asking to oh, smell them. Uh, maybe maybe you could work with a local radio station and, and tell them that you're doing this research, and uh, maybe they could set up a remote and uh, get you to go into a local mall. Oh, I think that would be a great idea. You and I, I have you and I have wonderful. to talk off air. I've got great ideas. Said <laughs> <laughs> so I'm talking to the right person, and that was no accident. The universe is unfolding as it should. Isn't that the truth? Mm-hmm. By the way, Exo Nation, before we go uh, to this commercial break, it's summertime. Please do not take your dogs in the car with you. They're better off at home. Make sure they have plenty of water. And for goodness sake, before you buy any type of pet, whether it's a goldfish, a hamster, guinea pig, whatever, make sure you understand the responsibility and the financial obligation that goes along with adopting a new member of your family. We'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as the Exxon continues with my special guest this hour, Cynthia Polanski, here in the Exxon from our studios in beautiful Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to find out more information about Cynthia or get a copy of her book, Remote Control, her website is www.cynthiapolanski.com. I'll be back on the other side with Cynthia. Don't go away. Let's walk away. 
children in Ukraine have been wounded and are traumatized by the violence. UNICEF is on the ground providing health, hygiene and critical emergency supplies. Please go to unicef.org to donate now. Thank you. Welcome back, everyone. Cynthia Polanski is our special guest this hour. First of all, Cynthia, thanks very much for joining us. It's certainly been a great pleasure chatting with you this morning. Oh, it's been wonderful. I wish it didn't have to end. There's only one thing that needs to end, my dear friend. That's when we leave this physical body to continue on the next. Isn't that the fact? Isn't that the truth? That is definitely the truth. I like that. So, uh, you know, we've talked about remote control. We've talked about your your dog books. I understand you've got five dog books out. And what are they concerning? What are their topics? What are their each titles? Book, each book is uh, about a, an individual breed, and it's everything from the history of that mm-hmm. breed to the care of the dog from all life stages, from puppyhood to uh, old age and, and even when to euthanize if necessary, and unfortunately it's become much more necessary these days. Uh, and it's, it's basically a reference manual of everything mm-hmm. about that breed. Wow. And it, it, just like with my other books, research is definitely hands-on. I love to find some breeder of that breed that's close by me and go and just play with the dogs. I say it's really to familiar, familiarize myself yeah. with the breed. But it's really just an excuse to go play with some dogs. Or to smell somebody's body. Well, that... (laughs) (laughs) Although, um, I think if there's any smells, the dogs usually um, override any human, thankfully, any human odors. (laughs) You know, they gave me this little snippet uh, from the research in our production meeting this morning, and I've got a weird sense of humor. You know, I, like I said, I could just see somebody going, excuse me, over here, can I smell your armpit, please? I'm doing research for a book. <laughs> oh, Lord. What, what other books are you planning? Well, I have been asked to um, write a sequel to Remote Control. Um, I mm-hmm. am not closing the door on that, but uh, not at the moment. Not at the moment. I want to give the body odor book my full yeah. attention. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, you know, I, I'm not yeah. going to take you up on all your suggestions about smelling strange armpits. Or I, I'll find myself in jail, and that's not really not, a good place. Not if you work to... it with a radio station. Okay. <laughs> well, then I will be sure to um, try and follow through on that advice. 
Listen, here's a quick question for you. Is your main character from Remote Control going to be reincarnated and will she meet her husband again? Or maybe maybe the blonde uh, will meet the blonde accountant and the guy get married and they have a child and the child is the wife reincarnated. How's that for a storyline? Um, that's a little too trite, but it's nice that you thought something like that up. Um, it's not really what happens. And I can't really tell you what happens to prevent the storyline that you just Ooh. talked about from happening, because I don't want to spoil the story for any readers out there. Cynthia, but, you and I have to say so long for now. It's been a great pleasure spending this hour with you. Continued success. I love Thank the way so I much. love the way you think and the way the appeal for animals. My heart goes out to you. Thank you so much, Rob. It's been a pleasure. You take care of yourself, Cynthia. Cynthia Polanski has been my guest this hour. Her website is www.cynthiapolanski.com. We'll be back on the other side of this break with the news at the top of the hour at six and a half minutes past as the Exxon continues with yours truly, Rob McConnell, right here in the Exxon from our studios in beautiful Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.